Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. Well, I want to welcome everybody. Um, If you are new, you've come at a good time. We're just starting our new series for 2007. It's called uh, High Definition Living. And uh, and one of you jokers just had to do it. (laughs) You had to tempt me to tweak me in the area that I am most vulnerable. Now, I have been honest with you. I try to be, you know, I'm the pastor not by, you know, authority, but hopefully by authenticity. And I've told you of my struggles with techno lust. Uh, It is a, if it is small and it is sleek and it promises to enhance my music and films and movie viewing experience, whatever, I must have it. (laughs) It's an addiction. I'm kind of ashamed. I need help. Best Buy is like going into a porn shop for me. And so this series on high-definition living, um, in which we're comparing God's design for life to a a new flat-screen television, a high-definition television, where your life is kind of lived in this crystal-clear clarity with the highest resolution, focus, and and purpose every day you wake up. This is a a, a big stretch for me, but I've made changes. Um, You know know the new iPhone came out last week from Apple. Anyone see this thing? Yeah. You're like, must have this, the precious. And this is just... This is just the kind of gadget that I am tempted to think I must upgrade to this. Because, but, but I am like showing restraint. Did you, anyone watch the, uh, the Steve Jobs uh, speech where he introduced the thing? No. I knew better. I refused to watch it a third or fourth time. I was like, too, you know. <laughs> Technology entrances me. It is a weak spot. And so, so nuts to whoever it is among you who sent me this email this week just to kind of tweak me. Announcing Sharp's 4,000 by 2,000 64-inch ultra-high-resolution monitor. Anonymous email he sent, right? For, for those of us that have a hard time telling the difference between 720 and 1080, let us tell you that once you've seen Sharp 62-inch, there's no going back. You know when you get up close to a 1080 picture, you can still start to see the pixels. Well, gazing into a 4,000 by 2,000, 8.3 megapixels picture is an experience more reminiscent of sitting by a window and not by a display. It's kind of hard to capture that level of detail with photos. Heck, our camera isn't even 8.3 megapixels, but we sure try. Check out our high-res gallery. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, I can't go. I can't look. Click. <laughs> I, and I got all nervous, and my palms got sweaty. Uh, you know, and, and the first picture was of, of this beach. It was really incredible. Just, I mean, beautiful. You can't really even capture it up here, but you have to see it on display. It made me want to go back on a cruise. Uh, second picture is of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Just, you know, gorgeous scenery. Imagine 62 inches. We have only one that's a 50 up here. And they show this one with an office building, and, and you can see the reflection of the sky in it. The razor-sharp clarity is, like, more, more real than real life. Uh, in the last picture, you can actually see, when you get up close, when you do close-ups, again, you can't see it a little washed out here, but you can see the drops of dew on the field of grass. It's incredible. And at that resolution and contrast with a screen that's 64 inches, I mean, talk about envy, <laughs> you can actually be 50 feet away and see and view with the same clarity and focus as if you were actually standing three feet away from a conventional television. And that, like, makes me sweat. I'm like, man. (laughs) So for those of you who got an HD set this past year, it's like, good news, it's almost obsolete. (laughs) Ultra HD is right around the corner. Well, at Liquid, we've declared 2007 is the year of life in HD, bringing clarity, focus, and resolution to all the areas of life that matter most, actually to God. In fact, our vision as a church is to become what we call a high-definition church that brings God into crystal-clear focus for those who are far away from him. In other words, we're a church for unchurched people. And maybe you're here tonight because you're skeptical or cynical or you've been returning to church after some time. You're skeptical of what you've seen of organized religion. 
And so you've been keeping it at arm's length. You know, you're kind of distant. That, and that's totally fine. You are welcome here. In many ways, we've designed this church for you. But our goal is simply for folks who are far away to bring them close to actually an accurate picture of who Jesus Christ is that clears away any of the distorted images that they may have been exposed to during their life. And there are many. <laughs> but last week we said that any church worth joining should be oriented around five key purposes or, or channels to keep up with our HD metaphor. And indeed, there are five channels that this church in particular is oriented around. Now let's see, how many of you were here last week? Just a show of hands and everything. Okay, good, good, good. Vast majority of you. Now, now, let's see if you can actually remember this. These were taken but from two high-definition statements by Jesus. And um, if you remember the one that, um, that the, the word up there that actually means to really love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. What's that called? Worship. Perfect. That's what we just did earlier, right? That singing wasn't just a rock show. That was us expressing our gratitude to God for who he is and what he's done for us. But we don't stop there. We actually go outside and love on and care for the people who God's put in our lives. Not just our own families, but our neighbors, our friends at work. And that's actually called anyone? Ministry. Ministry. Good. Someone said fellowship. Fellowship is a little bit to more, more of the kind of together and having fun and doing life together. But ministry is where you are really being the hands and feet of Jesus to someone who doesn't know Jesus. Really loving and caring on them. Or maybe you remember when Jesus says, you were sick. I was sick and no one came and visited me. And when you came, oh. That was you showing love to me. So God actually, in the margins, not in, the, in power, but in the least and the lost, and when we serve him and do ministry in his name, God is glorified. That's an idea about growing. And when we say we're learning and growing about God, we, it begins with a D. It's called discipleship. Yeah, pretty much. And sharing, and sharing about the good news of God, that he changes lives through his son, Jesus Christ. That's called evangelism, giving people a clear picture of who God is. So those are the, the five central purposes of life, and you'll notice that the emphasis is not on you. <laughs> in other words, um, when you look at it, you say it, it, it's about God and others. And that may be a brand new thought for some of you to consider tonight. Now, this isn't something we made up. <laughs> These five channels aren't what Cable Vision stuck us with. <laughs> They're the ones we've tuned into as a church because they were broadcast by Jesus himself in two high-definition statements that he made. Do you remember the names of them? The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So we have a saying around liquid. Let's all say it together. We did last week. Ready? A great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission will grow a great church. This is not a new strategy or some fancy 21st century discovery. It's what the Church of Jesus Christ has always been tuned into for 200 years. Let me give you an example. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. That's on page uh, 1765. The Bibles are in the pews, or at least they should be. So would you, on the ends there, pick them up, pass them down, even if you don't want one? And as you're turning, hey, Dave, can I get a little bit more light up here for my notes? And she's going to turn on some as well. We're going to look at Acts 2 because this is, the, this is our forefathers and mothers, the early church. And you're going to see kind of what they oriented their lives around together. Acts 2, we'll look at verses 41 through 47. In fact, we won't even read the whole thing. We're just going to kind of... Look through, and you're going to see. You're going to start seeing this over and over and over again. Verse 41. One of the disciples is preaching and spreading. He's evangelizing, telling the good news about new life in God through Jesus. And it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves, this is verse 42, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. 
All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. What do you talk about? What do we say it's called when you give to somebody who has needs? That's called ministry. What do you call when you say they're, they're, they're devoted to the teaching and learning how to be like God? That's discipleship. They were together, and it looks like they had a buffet. They ate. <laughs> they broke bread. That's called fellowship. Yeah, this weird thing happens in the church. It's like you put a box of donuts in a room with Christians, fellowship happens. It's like automatic. And the more stale the donuts, the better, you know? Take a look at this. Keep going. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court, so they got together for a big church service. But then they had small groups. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. What's that called? Worship. And enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's that? Evangelism. This early church was so tuned in and focused on these channels. I want you to imagine, imagine if our church was that dialed into evangelism that the Lord actually added to their number daily. Get that. 365 new people who give their lives to Christ over the course of a year. Imagine being a part of a church like that, an Acts 2 church. I mean, I, th- I think about that. I dream about that. I pray about that. I envision the day when we can become an Acts 2 church that has a kind of infectious influence in this culture that so many people are coming to Christ on a daily basis that only God can get the credit for this. Because <laughs> it's not the tool on the stage, and it's not the imperfect people in the pews, but God is doing something here. That's the legacy that our forefathers and foremothers gave the Christian church. They were focused on five from early on. Now, the question is, where did this church get this idea? Where, where do you think? Anyone want to take a guess? From their alpha leader, who's our leader of our church today, still Jesus Christ. I want you to flip over to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts. So in other words, that's right before it. John 17, verses 1 through 26. And again, I won't read this whole thing, but this is the prayer Jesus prayed just before he died. It's called his high priestly prayer, and it's amazing. But just take a look at the survey. This is Jesus speaking to his father, and he's praying for all who were to follow him. In other words, his disciples and now us, his followers. And he says this. He says, uh, in verse 4, he says, Father, I have brought you glory on earth. In other words, my life, is all about glorifying you. And that's called worship. Good. Now, see, you're getting this. And he says, in verse 6, he says, and here's what I did, Father, while I was here. I revealed you to those who you gave me out of the world. What's that called? Evangelism. I showed what you were like. I evangelized. I, I gave them the words that you gave me. In other words, I taught them from your very words. What's that? Discipleship. That's what we're doing now. We're looking at the word of God. And while I was with them, I protected them. I brought them in together. I kept them safe. That's fellowship. At the highest level, not just donuts, but actually we bond together as a family and I protect them. Verse 18, so as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And that is, Jesus says, I have come as a servant. Not to be served, but to serve and give my life. And that is ministry. So as people who follow Jesus' example, and as a church that's dedicated to God's five purposes for our lives, everything we do at Liquid, all of our time, all of our money, our efforts go to accomplishing these goals. And if it doesn't fall under one of these channels, we just don't do it. That's, we just don't do it. Well, tonight, I have exciting news for you. Because we've been talking about launching out independently as a high-definition church in 2007. And the exciting part is our leadership team has been praying about it. We've been talking about it for some time. I want to thank many of you who have been praying for it as well. An exciting part is we came to consensus early in this week sensing God was giving us actually the date to actually launch out. <laughs> and that was a step of faith because we don't got a place to go. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> keep going. I know. It was scary to us, but we're like, God is doing something. 
and we, Aslan is on the move, as we like to say. And he's bringing people here. Last week was our highest. Uh, we had 630 people last week. Awesome. Awesome. Um, not for the numbers, but because people are taking a step back to see who this God is, who Jesus really is. And, and that's an amazing thing. That excites us. Apologies to some of you who had to sit, you know, in folding chairs and everything. But, but the reality is we prayed, and our leadership team has this unanimous sense that the time is now. And we want to keep up with God's doing and say he's going to provide a place for us to go. And so tonight... We're going to be announcing, actually, right here, for the first time ever. <laughs> actually, all right, we cheated. How many of you were at the membership dessert last night? You know the secret. What is the holiday that we're launching out from the church? Easter. Easter. Actually, on April 8th, the liquid egg hatches. And we are leaving the building. The church will have left the building, and we'll actually leave Millington Baptist Church and launch out on our own as an independent, non-denominational, high-definition church. And we'll actually be opening up on that date, morning services. And some of you are like, does this mean I have to go in the morning? That's what I said. And they're like, dude, you got to go in the morning. I was like, oh. I was like, I'm a night church guy forever, you know. Yeah, we'll actually have, continue to have evening services, but we'll be opening up another 500 seats in the morning and also have children's ministry at both. The idea also to seed a vibrant youth program. And that just, we were excited when we came to consensus on this. We're like, oh my gosh, what is God going to do when we open up double the space? And we're also like, oh my gosh, this is 10 weeks from now. (gasps) Woo! And then we just went out for lunch. Uh, (laughs) So we're like, God's doing something. And, um, you know, it's funny. One of the main reasons is because for some reasons, unchurched people, people who have never been to church, they think that church is in the morning. I don't know if they get this from movies or whatever, but I, had, I was talking with the first-time guest who was here last week, and they said, this was great and everything. It was the first time I'd been back to church. I, I grew up a, a Catholic, but haven't been in years, and th- this was great. He goes, but um, I just don't know. It doesn't feel like it counts. <laughs> you, ever, you ever hear someone say that, you know? Well, here's the deal. We're going to have both, both opportunities, and you'll have a choice to go whatever you want to, and we'll have liquid kids at both. But on April 8th, you will actually have more choice. There will be change, but you'll have more choice. Now, something you need to know. Where are we going? This is going to be a transitional space, not permanent, because we're not foolish enough to say we're going to build a building in 10 weeks, you know, or something like that. But the location will be announced next week. (laughs) Sorry (laughs) for the teaser. Almost had to, like, run out of the dessert. They're going to throw rocks, you know. The reason, honestly, I'm not going to get specific about it is because it wasn't even on our radar up until Friday. Um, We have looked high and low, Michael Coyle, you can tell us about some of the places. We have looked at warehouses, we have looked at office buildings, we have looked at schools, we have looked at hotels, we have looked at, you know, TGI Fridays, we didn't look there. But we have looked everywhere, all the way from Bridgewater to the south, all the way up to Morristown in the north. And we've given special consideration to being in in a suburban slash kind of urban area. Because our vision is not just to buy a building, but to serve a city. And so we looked at all of these different places to, to, to plant and launch this church. And as recently as Friday, we think we found a place. And the reason why we're not going to get into it, because we haven't even had a chance to sign contracts and, and worry about that. But we are so excited. Glenn's like kind of getting out, jumping out of his pants. And, um, and, and we were getting discouraged. I mean, even as recently as Wednesday, because we were like, you know, this is, this is like two and a half months before Easter. And, and, and we, but we feel like God is prompting us to step out in faith. And he's going to have to provide. And then on Friday, this happens. And it's an amazing thing because this is going to be a serious, if this works, a serious upgrade, even from what the, the wonderful facilities we enjoy now. 
Um, but we're going to talk about that in the, uh, next week, next Sunday. It's kind of a little teaser. You've got to come back for that. And, uh, and we realize we're trying to stay sensitive. So it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes either this way or that way because we, don't, we want everyone to continue to come. But please don't press or like say, so Glenn, where is it? Put them up against the wall. Here's what you should know, though. As a high-definition church, we are intentionally designing our church to have environments that are oriented around those five central channels. I mean, now, if you're here for the first time, I've, like, I, I gave you the recipe for our whole church. There's nothing more to tell you. Some churches are designed like schools. You ever go to a church like a school? You come, you listen, you, you, know, you take notes and everything, and, and, and you know, click, click, you, you know, put it in a binder and imparting knowledge. But we believe that true discipleship, in other words, learning to really become like Jesus Christ, which is the goal of our life and is going to happen to you one day when you see him as he is, you will be like him. There's a thought. We believe that comes and happens best in the context of relational environments. We're actually doing life together and we're serving together and we're loving on one another and we're hurting one another and we're forgiving one another and we're learning actually in the school of life. And so we're designing our church to function like a home. Believing that that growth happens best in that context. And the the first environment is actually the one that we're here in tonight. You've heard us talk about this maybe. It's called the foyer. And um, when you think of a home, I want you to think about a home. Mike and and the team kind of set up this little little setup here. And again, I'm just so excited because at times we've had to like set up, you know, staging. But this doesn't look like a home. I mean, at the end of the day, we are in a yellow sanctuary. (laughs) That's why we turn the lights off. It's okay. It's a wonderful place, but the reality is we always kind of have to conceptually talk about it. But the place that we're going actually has the feel and the look, and it's going to create the opportunities for you to know other people. And, and, and quite honestly, I, when, I, when we went there, I didn't even want to leave. I want to stay. But what happens in the foyer, that's where you walk in when someone invites you in their home. And when you have people and guests in the foyer, what happens? You serve them. You welcome them. You talk differently. Um, you probably don't, you know, you know, it's Monday morning. If you came Monday morning to our house, I would answer the door, and I did the other, and I got chastised for it. Uh, my mom, mom is here tonight. Would you wave to my mom? Mom, wave to everybody. Say hi to everybody. My mom, generous lady, but buys me some of the corniest gifts. She got me these sleeping pants that had big yellow smileys all over those things, you know? And so I wear them to sleep in, you know? 10 a.m. Monday morning, doorbell rings. I go open the door, and I am in my, you know, yellow sleeping pants. And the FedEx guy was just like, what, what's up? You know, he like, didn't want to look at me like, you know, you know, straight at me. We don't do that when we have company. When we invite people over our house, we actually dress it. We, we put all the mess away. I actually put on, put on pants. And, uh, and we invite them into our foyer. And we're actually a little bit more polite than we probably are in real life because we have guests in our house. And that's what we do here at our worship services. That's one of the reasons why when you walked in tonight, you actually heard not church music, but you heard a secular song, right? Hanging by a moment. Because this environment is for people just as much who belong here, have been coming for years, and people who are here for the very first time. And to have a song that connects with people and say, hey, I I know that song. In fact, that's a wonderful... We create an environment here that's supposed to be irresistible for people who are taking a first step back to God. And it's one of the reasons why I ask patience for people when I explain and I say, now Matthew, where in the world is Matthew in this Bible? And you're like, he still doesn't know. I do that because some people don't know. You know, I had a wonderful, 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 it was just awesome. Someone who visited for the first time, had coffee with them, been coming for two weeks, had coffee with them last week, and they said, they said, here's a deal, dude. One of the reasons I haven't been back to church is I, I get, like, intimidated. Like, I don't know what's going on. Now, you guys, you seem, guys seem to use, like, regular language that you use every day, but I don't know even where anything is in the Bible. I have no idea where even the book of Noah is. 
And those of you who are going, huh, that's supposed to be funny. I don't know why. You know, welcome. That's all, it's okay. There's no book of Noah. And, and, and that's okay. That's awesome. But that's, we celebrate that because we say we've created an environment that's accessible enough and easy enough that we want to impart God's word to you and help teach you. So welcome. But you don't want to stop here. Maybe you've been coming for some time, and we had people in our membership class last night stand up, and they said, I've been coming actually for a year. And I was the guy who sat in the back, and actually five minutes before the closing song, boom, I am out of here like a bullet. And we want to invite them further into our church, into the living room, for the purposes of fellowship. And so what we do is create events, all sorts of contexts, where you can actually get to know other people just as friends. You know, that's one of the things. That you, you can actually just do regular life together. It doesn't always have to be like, you know, let's open up, you know, the Zondervan Bible study. You can actually just know people. And so we create environments like the Winter Wonder Dance. We're having this, this dance. I mean, I made a little bit of fun of it, you know, last, last week. But, but the reality is it says dessert dancing, dumb fun. That's why I made fun of it. But actually, the, 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 the fellowship team has really put this thing together for one purpose. So that you can come and you can rub elbows and you can just get to know people outside of the church environment. And you can maybe even invite friends. And yes, we dance. I don't dance. <laughs> it's, I, I dance, but not well. And so if you come to that on the 16th, you're going to have a chance to, you, you can sit with me. Because I'll be the awkward guy sitting at the table uh, kind of like this. But we have that and we all have open small groups like the Princeton Dinner Club. And the target for that is really our congregation. But we don't want to stop there. It's not like, come, learn something, be inspired on Sunday night, know a few people. You've got to do more. There's more to life than that. There's discipleship. And that's when we invite you into the study. And you'll have a chance to do that next week when we have small group sign-ups. Because it's awesome to be with 600 people. That is awesome. It's, there's, there's energy to that. But you can't know them really well, can you? You can't have the heart-to-heart kind of talks. Like when I made that joke before about Best Buy being like, you know, if I walk into a porn store, the reality is there are many people here who struggle like with addictions to pornography. And that's not something you're probably going to have a chance to address tonight like in this service. But in a small group with five or six other men who are struggling with the same thing or working through those issues, that's where life change actually happens. And that's why we have small groups. You'll notice uh, in your bulletin, I think I got one up here, in the, uh, in the bulletin tonight, there's a card in there. I don't have one. I thought I had one. Where did it go? Can I? Thanks, Nick. Um, there's a card there, and maybe you feel like this turtle. <laughs> Stuck. You're like, I like going to church now, but I, I don't even know where to begin. That's what that guy said to me. He goes, I don't know where to begin, Tim. He goes, I just kind of, you know, I open the Bible up every morning. I stopped after a while because I just go here. I'll dress my priests in special salvation clothes, and holy people will sing. Okay, thank you, Lord, for that word. I don't... uh, You're stuck. You need other people. You need to know people who have been around for some time and actually have some legs in the journey and can actually teach you, and that's discipleship. The interesting thing is we don't just have small groups on Bible studies, but we have... I asked Erica for a sampling of of small groups for next week. Um, There's a running club. There's actually a running club that meets every other Sunday to run in different parks around the area, and then they go out for brunch afterwards. Because we know actually life change happens even while you're, you're jogging. There's a young couples group. It's most monthly events for young couples to meet other young couples and talk about young couple issues. <laughs> and there are some. Young moms, a weekly prayer group. You guys were just starting this thing for moms to pray for their families and doing a book called Mothering Without Guilt. <laughs> and the young moms, you shake your head with that one and be like, yeah, okay, sign me up. There are some that's, there's, well, we have a seekers group. Some, they don't even take place at the church because we believe the church should be outside in people's home. We have a seekers group. This is a monthly group that meets in a bar in Somerville just to discuss questions of faith with people who don't believe yet and wouldn't even consider coming into our foyer. 
We have a group called Third Quarter for midlife couples because it's not just 20 and 30s here because I had a guy who was about 55 and he was like, this is like a younger church. We have younger people, but everybody is welcome. And so we have a small group, Pastor Glenn helps lead, uh, for midlife couples to discuss the challenges of balancing growing kids, maturing marriages, and, and growing older together. Sorry, more mature. Sorry, Glenn. Glenn always corrects me. Next Sunday, you're going to get a complete menu of the groups for this winter sem- semester. And the main reason that people don't sign up is because they're just like, but what if I don't like these people? That's a great question. Church people are weird. They can be very strange. That's okay. That's t- Here's the deal. That's why we do it by semesters. It's 8 to 12 weeks. You're not locked in for life. But if you take the risk and say, maybe this is the year I get unstuck. And maybe it's not just going to be Pastor Tim's messages that do it. You'll be able to do that next week. After the service, the connection is, takes place from 5.40 to 6.30 downstairs, right downstairs in Fellowship Hall. And that's for those people who are committed to growing. But here's the deal. This isn't just a place to get fed. is isn't just a place to grow. It's a place to serve. Where, where's, where do you serve in your house? Where's the place of serving? The kitchen. It's where you go in, you roll up your sleeves, you put on the apron, you say, you know what? We got guests in the house, and we're going to put our best foot forward. And the real purpose of this is ministry, is serving and leading others. And so you probably came in tonight. How many of you got a name tag? You're wearing that right now. How many of you got a name tag? Yeah? Can we give a hand to the tag team, please? Go tag team. That is ministry. That's ministry in the family of God. Because it's one more step where someone knows your name. It's one more step towards intimacy to know other people. There's a reason we do that. Not just, you know, at first you're like, tags what? But someone knows my name. There's all sorts of ways to serve. We have people serving, uh, you know, in the band. How, how great does a worship team do every week? Can we thank these guys for everything these guys lead us into? Every week. They get here at 1.30, play for you guys, have a, some time in between, and then play again and get out of here at like 9.30 at night. And most of them work Monday morning. Some of them, what time you get up, Tim Purnell, tomorrow for work? 6 a.m. And he's here drumming tonight and every week. Why? Because he's been given a gift by God, a one-of-a-kind gift, and he wants to use it in the service of God's people. There's a reason we serve. There's a reason so many of our people give a lot of time of their lives, not just their money, but their time. We got an email from Erica uh, Amato this week, and she, she just the most wonderful email to receive. She said, thank you for the work you're doing with the kids while we're in church upstairs. We're, we're in the foyer up here, but I'm the mother of little Avery, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and she loves little Kay. That's our, that's our little preschool curriculum. She's actually sleeping and napping right now, and she sets her Jesus papers, as she calls them. That's the lessons we use. On the pillow next to her while she sleeps, and she has a pile of four going, and she wants us to read her one again every day. She wrote this to, uh, to Erica Runyon, and she said, I just emailed Tim to let him know how thankful we are to have found such a church since we moved here. To hear your little girl recite Bible verses with hand motions verbatim is quite touching. Thank you. By the way, she loves her teacher, Miss Sarah. Sarah does all sorts of things during the week. What's one of the most significant things that she does that's going to actually have an impact, not just in this world, but in eternity? Working with little Avery. So that little girl grows up, that image of Jesus' papers on the pillow because that's becoming meaningful in her life. Service, ministry. You've got to spend yourself. You guys have been given gifts. We've all been given a gift, and we have a role to play. That's what the body's about. But it doesn't stop here because some of you are like, well, isn't that nice? Create a nice little environment here where everyone's helping and serving and pitching in. Yeah, just build a big church or something. It's not about us. That's why the end goal is not to have a little 
comfortable cocoon or go into a holy huddle. (laughs) The point now is to be fed and to train so we can go out and impact this world and make a difference. That's what we call the front porch. In other words, think of walking in, you know, to the foyer, and then you move over to the living room, you get to know some people, and then you start growing in the study, you know some things, and now you're actually coming out of the kitchen, and you're serving other people who are coming here, and you go walking right back out the front door again and say, come with me to church, come on. And you get someone over. Or you go and you pump gas for them at our gas buy-down. Or you go and you say, how can I give and serve the poor and needy in Morristown who are below the poverty line? The front porch is the essence of what we are about. Reaching people who are far away, maybe you've never come to church, but actually giving our lives to serve them. I want, I want to show you the power of a church on purpose. One of the things we did, we had this idea. You've heard of a flea market. <laughs> people bring their junk and try to get top dollar. We were like, what if we didn't do it the world's ways but God's ways? What if we had a free market? We bring our best brand new cribs, televisions, bikes, strollers, and gave them away for free. Totally free to people who are below the poverty line in Morris County. And we had an amazing time because some of you, you know, we had a tractor trailer we thought we'd fill up. And we actually ended up with three tractor trailers at the end of the day. And it was one of the most amazing days of church. We called off church. We didn't even have services here. We were the church in the streets in the name of Jesus. That was the most powerful sermon ever preached at this church. And the funny thing is, it wasn't at this church. And it wasn't spoken by a preacher. It was because God's people became the hands of and feet of Jesus and took his church to the streets. When we launch out, it's not because we want to buy a building, but we want to serve a city. Because you serve a city, you impact a state, and you impact a state, you influence a nation. And you influence a nation, you change the world. And that is how the kingdom of God advances. Inch by inch, slowly, with acts of sacrifice, caring, and service. People actually shaking off all the static of what's going on in the world and tuning their lives into the channels of ministry and evangelism in the name of Jesus. The big idea in growing balanced Christ followers is to have you invest your life in each of these five environments that we're creating. And and you do that, the amazing thing is that the world isn't the only thing that gets changed. (laughs) You are. (laughs) As you tune into God's frequency and you commit more and more of your life your time, your talents, your treasures, to his purposes, it has a way of changing you (laughs) profoundly. And there's been huge changes in this church. You just ask my friend Erin. She's actually on the tag team tonight. I think Erin's back there. She wrote this email to us a couple weeks ago. And she said, I have to share how much God has worked in my life last year, and I need people to hear it. (laughs) So I was like, all right, we'll put it up on the big screen. (laughs) She wrote, I'd been away from Liquid for about a year, doing my own thing, making excuses, feeling that as long as I believed... I was cool with the whole Christian thing. Then I had a surprise. The man that I thought I was going to marry, that I finally decided it was okay to love, decided that he wasn't in love with me anymore and that it would be best if we weren't together. I was crushed. With no family up here, I decided that maybe I should turn to my Heavenly Father and try some churches close to my house. Well, it turned out to be only one church, and I knew right after going that I had to go back. It was the only place in my very overchurched life that I felt was home. So that same Sunday... I went to that one church at Liquid, and I hopped in my car. I drove straight to Basking Ridge and made it on time. And when I left, I felt like a part of me was starting to heal. As the year went on, I joined a single women's small group, a huge step in the right direction of finding someone that I'm evenly yoked with because I feel that's why all my relationships have failed, and I truly know now how important this is. Well, I've made some very dear friends, and because I was in a small group, 
We had to serve at Liquid two times during the summer. Well, guess what? I grew to love serving on Sunday nights so much that he asked to be on more. Well, it turns out that I'm pretty good at the whole smile and greet thing (laughs) because I was asked to take on a leadership role with the services team. I have also, since the summer, joined two more small groups and was a leader for one of our gas outreaches. And I'm considering in the future to be a small group leader. I know in my heart that all of the good things that have happened and that are happening in my life are because I'm with the Lord and I'm in this family. I'm proud now to say I actually am a Christian. I actually say to my friends, sorry, I can't do that tonight. I have a small group. Or maybe next time I have to go to church tonight, but why don't you come along? I love liquid and I tell everyone and they see what a difference it has made in my life. Why did Aaron grow so dramatically this year? Look at her story. Look at her story, right? She, she, had, she suffered a hurt in her life, and maybe that's why you're here tonight. You've been crushed this past year. Something's happened to you. But she came to our foyer environment, our worship service, and from there she joined a what? Small group. She weaved her life with other sisters to heal and grow, spent time in the study. But from there she found herself where? In the kitchen, serving two Sundays during the summer. And that's fantastic. I love this. I grew to love serving on Sunday nights so much that I asked to be on more. And since then, she actually led at our gas outreach. That's high-definition living, folks. Erin's life has not changed because of anything we've done or some moment in the message that she heard, but because she made the commitment to spend time in the four key environments of our home. There are five, but she's four of them she gave her life to last year, and she be, her life's begun changing. Erin's life is no longer about herself or her small story situation but a big picture living. And that's the thing that charges our days with meaning and purpose. In your bulletin, we printed a verse. It's from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. We used this verse last night as the basis for a membership class. Let's all read it together, would you? You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Would you, if you have a pen, circle member, circle family, circle belong, household. You see it. You see the points about belonging to a family, about having a home? God's word says the church actually is not just a building, it's a family. It's a household. He doesn't say it's like a family, it says the church is a family, it's a spiritual family. In fact, your spiritual family is going to outlast your physical family. <laughs> and that's why we designed a church to function like a home, because we say it's our job to actually practice on this earth what we're going to be doing together for all eternity. <laughs> and we better figure out a way to live and serve and love together that's powerful and relevant and fun, because eternity is a pretty long time. And God expects you to be a member of his family. He says, you are a member. That's God's will. It's not optional. A Christian without a church family is a paradox. It's a guy who says, you know what? I want to I play professional football as long as I don't have to join a team. I, I want to be in the army. I really, I, really, I want to be a soldier, but just as long as they don't put me in a platoon or anything. The fact is, you have to have other brothers and sisters if you're going to go strong in Christian faith. Because a Christian without a church family is an orphan. <laughs> Paul actually says, you belong in God's household with every other member. And in fact, there are over 30 commands in the New Testament you can't even fulfill if you're not in a church. <laughs> the Bible says if you're a Christian, it means you are part of the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, that means we each has a, have a role to play. Paul talks about some are the eyes, some are the ears, some are the mouth. <laughs> and that each of us actually has a role to play. What, what would happen if, you, if, you know, if the liver in your body said one week, you know, I'm going to be part of, of the body over here. Next week I'm going to sleep in, <laughs> you know. Pretty soon what happens is it shrivels up and dies. You need to be part of actually a body. And that's what over 60 people did last night. It was awesome. Do we have people who signed up and committed to be part of this family this year with us? Would you stand up if you are here from our our dessert? Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Other people who are here, would you give them a hand? Welcome new folks into our 
awesome stuff. They made the commitment for Liquid to be their spiritual home for 2007. And in other words, they said, my life is no longer my own. I want it to change, actually. And I, and, and I want to put down roots. And I'm going to spend time in those five environments. And our lives are going to be different because of it. Just ask Greg and Dawn and their kids, the Forrest family, who joined our family this past year. Would you go ahead and roll that for us? Dawn and I were um, having a little trouble marital-wise, and um, a very good friend of mine decided to invite us to church. He said, maybe, I I think you might like it. Um, It's a different kind of church. Through all of our um, good and bad times, I had always gone to church, and the kids had gone with me, and Greg would gladly come on holidays and special occasions when we asked him to, Um, but it really wasn't... um, what he needed. So we decided to come one Sunday and we've been here every Sunday since. The, the message series that uh, Pastor Tim was doing at the time was uh, Song Solomon. It, it just hit me that there is no coincidence to this. I was brought here for a reason. I just felt that you know, I needed to be here. We proceeded to attend as a couple for, I don't know, probably six or seven months, and then we decided that we'd like the kids to join us, and um, they came to the kids' program for Liquid, um, and they had a very good experience. So what we decided to do was we took a family boat, and we decided to make Liquid our new home. It really says a lot about Liquid that you can run the gamut from the completely unchurched to people who are over-churched to, to people who are contently churched. And still, they all find home here. Um, and I do think that when Dawn says home, it's definitely home. It feels like home here. And the kids like it. The kids like coming on Sunday. Um, they look forward to it. It's not just a little church. Right? It's, uh, it, it's exciting. I think I like how people like the kids every kids. Not like a little mom said in the morning, oh, y'all go to church. <laughs> when I think about what you know, generally the question, what impact has it had on your life? How has it changed your life? My response really is a question, which is, what has it been impacted in my life? Because everything from the thought, the first thought when you get up in the morning, if you focus on that one thing, which is God and your relationship with Him, everything else will fall into place. So liquid allows us to that whether focusing on God it has improved our relationships at home, our interactions with people in the outside world. God's presence in our, in our lives has just changed everything dramatically. I mean, from Dawn and, and my own relationship, relationship with the kids, the doors that God has opened for us are just numerous uh, and too many to count at this point. It's just unbelievable. Where else can you go to church and you have one pastor with big hair and the other one's barefoot in the summer? My name is Greg. My name is August. And I'm Dawn Ray. And we meet our God at Liquid Church. You want to step into a high definition life that maximizes the gifts that you've been given in the story God's placed you in, and live out his purposes, you have to belong to a high-definition family. And you have to spend time in a high-definition home. How about you? 
what's your next step? I mean, here we are, 2007. Some of you made pledges to get physically in shape, and it's like, already gone. (laughs) What's your spiritual plan this year? What, what environments do you need to spend time in this year? Maybe you've been coming, but you're ducking out the back and you're like, I think it's about over. I'm going now. Get back. Come. Come, come, to, come to the wonder dance a couple of weeks. I don't know. Not because you love dance, because you want meet new friends. You'll have at least one friend, me. <laughs> I'll sit at the table with you. Maybe you've never been in a small group. Never before. We're always pumping small groups, but, you know, forget that. Step into the living room or the study. It's not forever. It's usually 8 to 12 weeks, but you'll grow. And next week, we'll have that small group connection, and you can sign up after the service. Or maybe this is the year you actually stop receiving. You've been in small groups. You've led small groups, and you start giving back. You actually move into the kitchen and serve. And believe me, this is the area where we need the most growth in as a family serving. (laughs) It's intimidating to think we're going to move in about 10 weeks. (laughs) Because the old statistics of church life are unfortunately true. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That means out of 600 people, it all rests on the back of about 120 folks. We've estimated that to launch successfully on Easter in a new location and create these environments, we're going to actually need to double that. (laughs) To have minimally 240 folks serving that Sunday. Because we could have over 1,000 people take a first step back to Jesus Christ that day. We need help in the kitchen. (laughs) We need help with the kids. You saw it. Can you help? Can you help? Will you help? You'll have a chance to do that next month as we prepare to launch. 321 launch, it's going to be great. And we can't wait to see what God's going to do through you and in this family. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we are not orphans, but we have a Father, the Lord. And we have a brother, the Son of God, Jesus Christ who has made a way into your family through simple trust in your death, your life, your resurrection, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that um, during your time here, we're not set, Lord, um, to figure this out on our own, but we're given brothers and sisters, a home, a family, people to call friends, people with whom we'll spend eternity. Lord, we want to create in this church, and we're going to ask for your Holy Spirit to do it, a place that is so inviting, so compelling, so irresistible, that people may not believe everything just yet, what we read out of the Bible, or they, they may have questions about it, but they say something is happening there. It can't be explained in human terms, so God must exist. He must be on the move, because people don't sacrifice like that. That's what we want to do, Lord. So we welcome you into this place. You're our Father. You are the leader of our church, Jesus, and we give you worship now. Lord, as we stand together, we ask that you'd be glorified and that you'd become famous because you've been in this place. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.